0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Path of Believer. This week we have our good friend Bogdan with us. He will be talking about polyethnic and ethnic churches. What does that look like biblically? Uh, which side does history take and just the Bible in general? We will also be discussing our experiences of being in mono and polyethnic churches and our experiences with that and some solutions that we think are viable to um, fixing some of the issues we've seen with some of the harbored uh, problems with money ethnic churches. So tune in. Bogdan, uh, we are talking about polyethnic and moni ethnic churches from your studies and just your experiences. What is the biblical stance on this issue or this topic?
1: That's a very good topic, and uh, I think it's actually pretty pertinent to today's day with um, so many uh, uh, questions arising and so many issues on that topic of racism and you know multi, multi multiculturalism. Um, I think the best of what we could do is just take a look at the early churches and how the first churches were were um, functioning and uh, how they were bringing it in. Or if you really want to go back, we could go back to even – um, when Israel was, became, uh, became a nation and they were even you know, traveling and how they ended up growing to the number that they grew. Um, I guess we could start there. Um, the old In the Old Testament, they actually would accept other nationalities. And you can, whenever you're reading, and actually a lot of the different, um, what you would call like people of faith or men of faith or even women of faith, Whenever you had some type of itite after their name, that emphasized that they weren't Jewish by blood. Mm-hmm. They were accepted into uh, the nation by going through the proper rituals, doing the, uh, you know, the laws and, the, and traditions, but they got accepted. So, like the first with the pops to is um, the man that David killed. He was, uh, uh, I don't remember the exact nationality, but he was actually also non Jewish. And he ended up rising to the ranks of being the general or one of the top generals under right. David. Um, uh, so having other nationalities or other cultures or other, you know, backgrounds within the church or within God's chosen people, that's what God, you know, was doing, even though, yes, he did pick one nation and said, this is my chosen people, but he didn't make it exclusive to say, only if you're born in this bloodline, will you be saved? Hmm. It wasn't by the physical aspects that were saving us. It was basically... Our, our spirits the spirits is what connects us to god not our bodies
2: yeah because when you look at uh whenever the prophet was choosing david as king he didn't look at the physical appearance he looked at the inward manner yeah
1: god so, doesn't look on the outside appearance but on the heart
0: so taking this more into modern day i guess examples um mostly why we're discussing this uh, i personally you know haven't heard a voice talk about this issue as much directly. I've heard it like indirectly. And if you kind of can see between the lines, you you get the gist. But um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody like just straight up like, hey, is model ethnic churches good or bad? Or is polyethnic? Yeah, good or bad?
2: You're right. I, I haven't heard it either. But the one person that I can think of is Michael, he said, like, this is not a church that to, to Jesus. I mean, she said, this is not a church that, that goes for white or, or, or black churches. This is a church that accepts every single race, because we're one race, and we're human. Right. As, that's kind of like a more broader way of saying what you, which we're trying to cover.
0: Right. So, you know, looking at this from like the global perspective, um, in terms of if you live in a country where it's, uh you know, like let's say Europe or something like that, um, I could see why a monoethnic church would arise. But like in the States, right? We are a poly ethnic country. Yep. And still we have monoethnic churches and, you know, I personally think it it harbors or kind of like fosters a certain culture um, specifically. Like I'll be straight up, like in the Slavic community, that's like a mono ethnic, usually church. And some very, are really very true. Some are very good at it. Some are very good at keeping it just like very Slavic and all that stuff. But some are more, uh, I, I would say, progressive in that they accept all like people and they don't just cater to a certain demographic meaning the language of preaching or worship and all that is just majority wise focus on that
2: so like uh the biggest example is like i know uh from the church i came from is that whenever we started seeing that more american people show up we had like ronnie come and we had this one like the other guy that found our church from down the street we started seeing the more american people show up so we just started right away figuring out ways to, to like foster them into uh like getting translators right away and then all of a sudden we tried to do English services every single month. And then now it's every single, every single week. So I was just, um, let's go there, there, but there are some churches that just say, no, this is a Russian church. This is where you're gathering. That's it. But it, it's good to see like whenever somebody actually accepts it into it. So the, the whole entire thing of mono and poly ethnic churches is the fact that, you know, people like to stay in their cliques. People like to stay in their groups. And so they, they find a group that fits through their cultures. They find a group that makes them comfortable. And they go in there and they fall into a place. They're like, okay, this is where I am. And when somebody, because it comes outside the group, as Christians, we're technically supposed to accept them. But also as humans, people sometimes go and they see that and they're like, oh, well, he's actually not one of us. He's different. So why don't we direct him to a church that he would feel like the same way we feel whenever we came to this church? What do you think right. about
0: that? And I, I, we talked about this a little bit when we were at Sharkey's at one time about how the Jews kind of, disregarded the gentiles Uh,
1: that's an interesting um, question you brought up there Rasa is talking from personal experience like you know just becoming friends with people whether at work or just you know somebody in your in your circles and they be like wow I've really like they'll come up to like example my dad or, or even me and they'll say wow I've never really met a man or a person or a family that lives the way uh, lives out the life or their faith like you guys do or your perspective on faith is so different what church do you go to and obviously let's say they're you know some other nationality than Ukrainian or Slavic and, you know and my response is <laughs> well I go to a Ukrainian church and then uh, you know in my case I have to drive down there and, and then they're like, oh, well, I really want to meet more people like you. So that does definitely put a big barrier with people yep. who want to get together with like-minded people who have the same perspective and live the faith out, you know, the way we try to do, which is, you know, as the Bible says, everything the Bible says we try to do, nothing more, nothing less. Um, so I think the question ends up rising is what we see throughout the, you know. For us immigrants who came here to the States and how many years, you know, churches have existed and we finally starting to see the fruit of the churches, the churches that stuck with only strictly Slavic speakers and then churches have said, no, we should open up and be open to, you know, the people the same way. Example as America is open to accepting us and we see the results. Those churches ended up growing and they ended up becoming uh bearing more fruit Mm -hmm. in the churches that stuck and said we're only slavics yeah they got more members but most of the time if you look at it most of them were just other you know believers that just moved from a different state moved down here and then you look at actual you know newcomers you don't have that much so the question is 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 our uh today's church is it a center of culture or a cultural center or is it a place where we a social um, club. Yeah, a social, social club. club. Or is it a place where we bring in... Everyone likes golf, come join the club. <laughs> or you said, or do we bring... Is it a hospital where we bring in the people who are dying mm. and are sick spiritually? Ooh, that is we've, good. And we revive them. And the question, you know, it's like a hospital
2: saying, yeah, like a Jewish hospital. Well, actually, there's actually a, a lot. And then there's, you see in every single hospital ER when you walk in. It says, we are not allowed to turn you away by a law. Yeah. So it's like you go into a Jewish hospital and he says, well, what uh,
1: synagogue do you go to? I don't go to synagogue. Well, let's, you know, are you, you know, are you Jewish now? Oh, I'm sorry. We can't take you in, (laughs) you know, and then that's especially, you know, that's, that's going against your medical uh, um, oath that you took. And then what happens to our oath that we took to Christ saying that Jesus gave us the great, you know, the the greatest commandment to go and speak to all nations across the whole world. Right. I understand the concept of, you know, Slavics or whatever nationality, you're trying to keep your culture, you're trying to keep your traditions. But the question is, is the church the best Mm -hmm. place to do that? If you're trying to keep your family roots intact, well, isn't the best place to do that is in your family and at home with your family? rather That's than good. say i'm going to pass that off to the church the church's job is to teach my kids the church's job is to bring my kids to christ the church's job is to make sure they know ukrainian it's the church's job to make sure they come to christ
2: <laughs> so what you're bringing up is a is a point that actually i think that a lot of people are scared to talk about is the fact that it's your responsibility to raise your kids right not the churches come on preach and that's a really good talk That is, wow. I, so, I, I wasn't even expecting that we would go there, but I think that that is a great topic so, to bring up right off so, the back. So
0: a great example of that is like, I mean, he just kind of touched it. was like, you know, kind of like teaching them. We literally have churches who like legit their language that they're teaching their kids is Ukrainian or Russian. Like it's forget English. And this is kind of goes back to the thing that I said of the it harbors a certain type of behavior, which is negative in the grand scheme of things, is uh, the language barrier. So if you know the American language in America, you are open to more opportunities in terms of work and all that stuff, which is mainly the reason why most of the immigrants moved here. But I don't know where it got lost in the translation, but it's like, you come here and you're like, no, I'm gonna expect my kids to learn the language and get a good job, but I'm just gonna stay in my Slavic culture and but this is the thing: the kids learn it, and then the the, the parents kids the kids are will leave. The, yeah, the kids will leave because you can't like learn a culture, right? Like learn the language and all that stuff, and not expect somebody to pick up other things because like success in America is directly correlated to the culture we have, which is a polyethnic culture, meaning we don't just like you know stay in this mindset of like oh. I came from my Slavic roots, so I'm only sticking with those mentalities and the way people explain things this way, this way, and this way. No, it's a conglomerate of multiple things.
2: Yeah, and right off the bat, bat, there's a prophecy in Jeremiah, and this will correlate with this topic right away, even though it was talking more about heaven, but it was also a symbol for the church. It was saying that in Jeremiah, that I will rebuild my city, but without any walls. So that it's not a city that uh, what's called, so that all the nations could come in, and they could they could drink, they could they could do it, they could, they could come and pray, and then they can leave and then they come again. It's a it's a city without walls, which he was he was pretty much saying is that it's not only going to be for for Israel. And that was that was said back in Jeremiah, and then we see that the way that they rebuilt the temple right away was uh they didn't follow the Jeremiah's prophecy. They went and rebuilt it with the walls. But I want to say like that was what brought me back was the fact that. For us, when we look at people, we want to direct them to a church that they're comfortable with. But if we make a church that's that's comfortable for everybody, and they all can come in, they all can get get the thing, then they can actually grow from that. You right. know, the culture, the culture that you that you were talking about is um like raising up uh Slavic culture, raising up in Slavic culture, raising up to be uh the Slavic norms, and then you walk outside the church and you're like, I don't know what to do because right. I can't put anybody anywhere else. So yeah.
1: Um, taking that example that you brought up about um, the prophecy and building up walls and then if you take the New Testament equivalent is when Peter uh, ends up having a dream or a vision oh yeah um, and the correct context of that it has nothing to do with the food it was just the vision used the metaphor of food to show him what what God was trying it
2: basically a, a parable, God is unclean.
1: yeah a parable with when God you know drops, a white sheet with all these different animals that were in uh, in Judaism considered unclean. And he says, kill and eat. It wasn't necessarily about the food, it was about accepting other groups of people, other mm-hmm. nationalities. How do we know that that was the correct context? Because what happens the moment right after that? Well, how does he even end it? He says that a man will come looking for you, and you will go with him. Mm-hmm. And who was it? It was a Roman uh, Roman soldier, I don't remember, might have even been a centurion.
2: A centurion. I think it was a centurion because yes. it, was, it was for... Um Goodness, it was for the, the guy that, that was serving uh, Jesus and an angel came to him and said that Peter will come. Yes. Oh, send a servant to Peter, yeah. So send a, Go go and send uh, a
1: servant out and look for a man named Peter and he'll come out. And that happens literally right after the dream. So now we know the, why he had that dream. It's to show him that God doesn't see skin color, doesn't see whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Mm-hmm. God sees the heart. And this man, being a Roman, he ended up putting the priority straight rather than serving the state as R- Roman culture dictated and Roman um, Roman, uh, the Romans taught and what the Romans did all the time is, and um, we'll come back to that. actually I have an interesting tie tying into Soviet union, but um, so you replaced, it. he said, I don't serve the Roman empire. I don't serve the emperor. I mm. serve foremost, f- foremost God. And when he ended <laughs> up seeing that and realizing that, and his heart changed and his heart started his perspective started to change that's when he was able to see Jesus and Jesus says I wow. have somebody to serve you and Peter comes wow and that was the, the the what you brought up is the putting down of the walls a, tr- uh, a church without walls to where we don't keep people at arm's distance hey you want to know Christ awesome guess what we'll see you in heaven but on earth we can't associate or can't do anything <laughs> together because well you know you don't like Varenic or whatever <laughs>
0: So to sum up, what we kind of just talked about right here, um, it seems like the premise of why I guess the creation for a mono ethnic church in America would be a kind of like on crutch to immigrants to come here and kind of get on their feet, right in the sense, but I feel like that crutch has been extended way too long, in the sense of like the period it's been already like I would say 50 somewhere, roughly 30 years years since immigrants have got gotten here. And, you know, you look around and you're like, you know, it takes to learn a language by average around five years, like to a level where you can kind of do basic stuff uh, at, at like a regular IQ. So going from that, it's like what can we do, right? What is the solution for basically um, going forward? So what I have seen is, you know, with this whole language barrier, because there's still immigrants coming in right now that come to the States and they don't know the language and everything else. I propose is, because it's easy to just say like, oh, there's a problem, but like a proposition for uh, this problem is this. You know, they do this right now in um, in a negative connotation. This type of teaching style is where they harbor a certain second teaching element under the primary element of teaching. So what I mean by that in California right now, they're using like gay books and like, you know, that talk about, you know, same sex marriage and all this stuff to teach kids in the elementary school. And it's like a very subliminal way of teaching. But that same method works universally for a lot of things. What I mean by that, you can be teaching the people in the church um, doctrinal truths by teaching them through simple, elementary English. So, for example, you can be like, oh, instead of an apple, be like a apostle or something like what I'm saying is there's a way to go forward and do it in a more progressive and proper way where Ultimately, everybody can benefit because if the people who come in, the immigrants come in, it socially, economically raises their stand. And
2: like the, it's almost like pushing them forward. Into yeah, it helps them, keep them life. The same level. Right.
0: And not only that, it helps them to be from this position of like, hey, I came to America. And I only know Slavic, so I need to, like, preserve my knowledge, my understanding of, like, just the way things were in the Slavic culture. I'm going to try to keep it here. No, I'm sorry. You're not going to be successful if you try to hold on to the things there because this well, ain't the same well, country. Well, you,
2: you can be successful in the Slavic culture. There's a lot of different ways to be successful in the Slavic culture. You just won't be to the full extent. Right. Um, <clears throat> but is the church a place for us to be pushing people to success in the world? Well,
0: success—not specifically. We're not pushing them to exactly success. We're pushing them in the sense of giving them the tools. I, I We're think. Equipping I think. I think. I think in-
2: that what what's what's uh, what you're trying to say is that instead of creating a social club, we need to create a place for them to grow, right, spiritually and uh, not phys- yeah, like phys- physically, like physically in, the, in right. the aspect. But <laughs> I don't know. I still I still feel like that's that's almost like. It's almost like creating a social club because that's not what the church is for. The church is like more yeah. like for it preaching the gospel, teaching or teaching of the gospel, and then moving forward from there.
0: Can you learn new words through a sermon? Yes. There you go. So it it, it builds you up not only spiritually, but it builds you up emotionally and also like in your intellect. So because when you teach what, somebody what, something... What, do you, it's what do you have
2: to say about that? Because well, I'm a little confused behind behind that, that correlation. So I think... That we
1: can also fall into a trap by trying to fix one problem. Yes, we create another problem, and we just jump from polar opposites. That's that's um, what
2: that's what I'm seeing from that. I like,
1: I think there's nothing wrong with a a group of immigrants trying to keep their roots, trying to keep their language. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I understand that the concept is also that when you have a group of parents, example, it's bring up our generation, our parents, our parents ended up sending us an American school. So we're spending majority of the day with English speakers and that's five days a week. And then even on the sixth day, we go up hanging out with friends. We're most likely going to be speaking English and our parents are trying to preserve our roots, our culture and our traditions and mainly our language. So they think that if one day a week we go to Sunday And we can make sure that Sundays in church, we stick only to Ukrainian, that at least somehow we'll keep our language. I understand the mentality behind it, but we can do two things. We can have it in Ukrainian and at the same time have it in English and translate it. And you'd be surprised at how many of the American uh, and other nationalities, Spanish predominantly also, American and Spanish that do come to Slavic churches and they hear another language, they actually like that. I haven't met somebody who says, oh, I wish you guys just did it all in English. Because Americans, a lot of American people who grew up here, born and grew up here, they didn't get a chance yet to go out on adventure. Mm-hmm. So when you have so many immigrants coming in and sharing their culture with them, in a way it's like they're traveling with us or traveling outside the United States or they get to see another culture without ever leaving the comfort of America. Yeah. And they like that. So I think if, we've, if church is focused on that, and what else does that do? That engages the the mm. younger generations to first of all be translators. Yep. Like I know I know a couple of people that grew up in America, learned Ukrainian here in the states, and they became full on translators, never ever going back to the country of which they're translating for. Yep. And I've and that to... I, I think ends up bring brings in and turns um, the church or keeps the church polyethnic as opposed to then we do we reverse the roles instead of saying we're going to keep it Ukrainian we're going to say well we're now we're just going to keep it all American and then mm. then again you fell into another hole where you're keeping it um, monoethnic <clears throat> yes just from just into a different
2: um uh, so that so that's so that's a good way it was just like the translators having the the things but I've also you know d- different races as well white, black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, like all of them mixing into one building. Uh, we've seen, I, did, I didn't grow up that way. I grew up in a way that it's just like, you're a white Russian man who goes to right Russian church and even though I'm Ukrainian. <laughs> and like, you stick to that and you're done. Like, you didn't not go outside. When you go to conference, you only go to white Russian Ukrainian conferences. There's nobody else. There's thousands of people who are white and Russian and, uh, nowadays I'm seeing more and more and more now that I'm actually growing, uh, spiritually and, and physically, like we see more and more through the churches that we go through where, where I'm actually looking for, for knowledge. I'm seeing everybody. I'm seeing for mm-hmm. the first time in my life. I've actually seen, I didn't like for no joke. I grew up thinking that no one else spoke tongues expe- except for Russian people. <laughs> like. And then like, it, there had to be a break and God broke that off me. He's just like, this is, this is so one focus for you. Like, this is just stupid. Like break it off. And he broke it off me by showing me people like literally a full room of like every single race speaking in tongues and praising God in tongues. Like that just breaks barriers because you, you, if, if you, <clears throat> this is one thing that actually just popped into my head. It creates a hierarchy. Like if you grew up thinking that, okay, you're white, Russian, Russian, ukrainian like the slavic mix of people that are together and you guys have some something spiritual going on you guys think that no one else in any other place has anything like that going on so you start developing these things and you're just like why why is this even developing but it's because you're always placed into a space where you only see that same group of people doing these same different things yeah so whenever you go outside you're just like I'm not expecting you to do any, any miracles. I'm not expecting you to be able to preach as good as we do because I've seen real preaching. I'm, I'm Russian or I'm Ukrainian. I've seen really good preachers. And so I really had to break that off. And I think that that's what also happens is that, you know, the first time I went to an all black church, I was just like, this is crazy. And then like, now I'm just like, this is amazing. (laughs) Like, is that, is that culture shift? So that is like the church without walls is a big big aspect.
1: Well, even if we take like your example and we take that idea, I want to pick out a little bit of hypocrisy in the Slavic community. Mm-hmm. When it comes to churches, we make sure that we only go to Slavic churches and associate with the Slavic people. But when we go to work, none of us have a problem working with any other nationalities. Of course not. Especially if you take the biggest and the you know uh, biggest two, let's say, in, on the man side, not. Um, you know, from personal experience, construction and cars, right? You yep. go into the Slavic community, you have that, those are the two main um, occupations. Nobody in the in the out of construction says we're only going to be building for Russians or with Russians. No, you got a whole bunch of other nationalities and they work fine. They joke around. They they even will bring in Ukrainians will, and Russians will bring in their own food. Uh, other guys will bring their own food, no exchange. Same thing in the car community. They yep. have no problem intermixing and dealing. But when it comes to church, or actual life or living or, you know, helping building people up, you know, actually living actual life once you're, you know, outside the walls of the occupation.
0: No, we can't do that. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, we, with that type of mentality, I actually met a person like that. They're like, I can't go to a certain conference or this because if I, me, my presence being there means I agree with everything that they do. I'm like, and then I, I remember talking to few one time and, It was this example of like, okay, I am a biology major. It's surely going to come up evolution, right? And I have to learn it, right? I have to take the test. I have to answer the questions as if I was a person for pro evolution, right? Um, In order to get the full mark that I want on my test. Do I fully agree with it? No. Do I go to take the class and go through the thing? Yes, to just understand their point of view do I have to necessarily agree with it? No, I don't. But, you know, that's, I think, kind of a dumb way to look at it. I want to though retro back to your thing that you said about to uh, the American aspect, kind of going back and fighting the same issue that we brought up. Because to me, you know, when I think of like an American church, uh, because I personally now attend one, uh, you know, there's different cultures right so like when i think of american church i think it actually is the embodiment of a polyethnic church f- how i've experienced it and seen it because like i can talk to my hispanic buddies i can talk to my asian friends i can talk to uh, latvian or whatever people there are and you know they will all help each other to learn that ultimate language through which we communicate which is english right right um i i di- i don't think it's easier to have that polyethnic culture in a church that is predominantly Slavic though. Uh, Because of the fact that there's almost like this pressure, I have friends who I've talked to who, um, and they're like, hey, yeah, I I visited this church and he's like, it's predominantly that. And sure, they have an English service and all this stuff, but I still don't feel as welcome there And like, because it's kind of like we were talking about clicky.
1: Yeah. So, well, that's a barrier that you have to get over because either there's a couple options you can take. You can take the option of saying, I'm going to start controlling of how many Ukrainians and Slavics come in in order to keep the Slavicism down. (laughs) And then so now you're limiting Slavics. And then what are you doing? You're going out and fishing for any anybody that looks other than Slavic which is actually the, the, the big problem that we have in society is where people say, you have white privilege. We are not taking you. We're going to take anybody else but white or like, you know, an example firemen. to become a fireman. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's other than white, they don't tech, They don't really check how good you are. Your test scores nothing. The very fact that you're not white and you don't mark Caucasian on your form, they'll hire you on the spot and you'll have a line of 20 firemen that are, that are so much better than, you know, this one particular say candidate, and they'll hire this one candidate over him. Because why? Because they're afraid of being sued for having so many whites and not enough uh, right. other ethnicities. And that's the, another thing we don't want to do in churches. So, I mean, if you grow up in, in a Slavic community, and you, let's say you start a church, and then your friends are like I really like your your perspective, really like the way you're thinking. They're going to join you, and so still predominantly your Slavic your friends are going to be right. Slavic. So you're still going to have let's say seventy five percent Slavics. So when you open up and you say I'm we're welcoming everybody, you know you're not gonna you're still going to have seventy five percent Slavics there, and even if you get you know right. an Asian or American or you know uh, Africans or something, you're still going to have less of those. Until you end up growing it out and, you know, it ends up expanding. So you can't avoid saying, you know, that my church still has a Slavic feel to it. Because at the same time, you know, you're also denying your, your very thing that makes you, you. Right, and, right. Uh, hopefully it's by the end we can get to the point of individualism. So, of what makes people individuals and how it's important to still stick to who you are and still be true to you and your identity without compromising on that and still being open to other
0: people so so, so my,
2: my my thing is that we keep focusing on the slavic 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 but then um uh, because that's where we come from yes
0: so we have like we can talk about it from a yeah both but, experiential place
2: but i just wanted to bring up the point of um uh, being able to go out and evangelize we go out to evangelize to every person like you were saying the commandments go out to evangelize to every single person and uh Whenever we do go out and evangelize every single person, do we discriminate about who do we talk to? Because I've been, I've been in some really weird situations with a, uh, a lot of homeless people that were completely different than I am. But God showed so much love in that situation, even though they were not even close to like anything
0: to me. So that's personal, I feel like, because if you, if but you're, it's not, it's, if not you're a racist, it's not
2: personal because you're building a church.
0: No, if you're, okay, well, for evangelism, you can choose who you come up to, right? You choose. You. It's not like your church
2: is forcing it depen- you to. It, depen- it depends on how you're uh, walking life because if you're walking life evangelizing by your own choices, you're just walking life. If you're walking life evangelizing by his choices, you just evangelize. Well,
0: exactly, that's what I mean. So it's like whether you're choosing to be a racist or not. So if you choose to go and evangelize from a perception like, hey, I go to a Slavic church, uh, or I go to a Mexican church and I only evangelize uh, to Hispanics or I only evangelize to Asians or this, then that's up to your discretion. That's not something unless you are going as a team, you know, there's always like those church aspects where they go as a team and, and evangelize. And that's also kind of more a position where now that's church based. So the church could choose to you know be like hey we're only gonna talk to these guys i mean that's a wrong position i'm not cond- like saying that's awesome but that's a a weird way of putting it
1: um well let, let's separate two things evangelism and street ministry because evangelizing right. can be also at yeah. work with people that you see yep. every day And there you have no choice you know right you true that you see a person having a hard time and you see him every day and you notice that his spirit is down and you go talk to him no to no him,
2: but so. all i'm trying to say is what's the difference there if you're going out to evangelize, but you're right away, out of nowhere, you're able to talk to every single person and share Jesus to every single person and be able to bring that to every every person because you're going out to Guatemala and Honduras and what's called Nicaragua to talk to people that are completely different than you are about Christ. But yet in the church, you're only gonna stick to your own people and your own views.
1: Yeah, so when you go do street ministries as opposed to evangelism in, in circles that you're um, you know, involved in, um, I think it's important to remind people of what church is and remind them of spirituality and not necessarily saying, hey, you have to come to my church. My church is better
2: mm-hmm. because,
1: well, let's face it, that person might not be comfortable, regardless of our cultural background, might not be comfortable the way we do church service. You know, they might have grown up in a more conservative Church to where they like, you know, hymns over louder music and they like lights over darker. And they come to your church like, oh, this guy's pulling me into somewhere dark.
2: (laughs) So when we just
1: remind them that there is a God who loves you and you should go, you know, go seek him and go to a church that you are comfortable in, that is a Bible preaching church that believes that you're saved by Christ through Christ uh, and through faith and faith in Christ alone. And if they want to say, "Hey, I want to try your church out," and they're open to the idea of trying something new, out, can I, I correct you
0: for a second? It. I don't think finding a church by comfortable, like state, is something you should be looking for, because that's a very that's how you kind of get to this place of complacency. I would say a church that actually tries to stretch you and expand you would yes, be something. But more. You're,
1: you're talking about a person who's maturing,
0: right? Right, who's growing already, because not starting you, out. Right. Right.
1: So when you're starting out, and let's say they are, let's say they have a Baptist background, and they know that they're comfortable in a Baptist. Background. There's nothing wrong with that. No, but, you know, but, but I was, what I was to, saying
2: was that um, if you have no problem going out to evangelize everybody, why would you have a problem with, with everybody coming to your church? Yeah,
1: we shouldn't have a problem. We shouldn't. We yeah. shouldn't. Yeah. So that, I, that, that
2: that that's like the as we were just talking about it, it's just like why would it why did it, why did it ever become a problem in the first place?
0: Right. I I mean
2: because it stretches our comfort zones. Oh, we're the people that don't like to be stretched. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, humans are creatures of habit, so that's true. We, we stick to that is true. But I know you wanted I
2: know you wanted to circle around to talk about um, individualism. Individualism.
1: Yes. So that is something that is very pertinent in our society because that's being eroded. We're mm-hmm. trying to throw we're we're being thrown into groups. And you're part of this group and you're part of this group and you're part of this group. And then you only have group identities, but individualism, that's what makes us unique. Yes. In Christ, because we're image bearers of Christ But Mm -hmm. with being image bearers of Christ. We still grew up in different cultures, different parts of the world, and even our little things like the way our our families, we were raised in our families and the way, what school we went to, that all ends up affecting and uh, shaping us. Yep. And that is something that we have to remember when we're talking to people, too, is everybody's an individual and not to categorize them. Oh, he looks like he's part of this group or something. No, when we don't look at the physical appearance that in my for me, that helps me not put people in groups, but helps me realize that this is a soul a spirit that is individual and that is unique in its own way, the same way as I am. And that even ends up stretching to when it comes to genders not seeing male or female, but you're trying to minister mm. and trying to talk to and feel and sense what that spirit is going through and relate to them and say that there's somebody that loves you for who you are and how you are, not because of what happened to her or everything else, but because you are mm. a part of him. You're his creation who is made in his image. And um, that's what gives us voices. That's what gives us uniqueness. That's what gives us and the ability to say, I, I want to hear my voice heard, because if you're not an individual and you, you were like society's suppressing that, that means we don't have a voice either. And the only time we have a voice is if a group of us comes out and starts doing it. And that that ends up eroding the whole concept of what God was trying to do when he created individuals and said, you first are individuals. Then after you being an individual, then you start making a family. Uh-huh. And then after a family, then you start making communities and nationalities and so on like that. But before any of that, we're individuals who are unique. And God knows everybody individually and uniquely. That's why He always brings up, I know the one of the um, most amazing examples that I that resonates with me is that God knows every star by name. Right. And that's a star, and there's trillions of those. What more are we as individuals? And the fact that it emphasizes he knows them by name, not that he created them, each one, or not only that he knows where they are and so on like that, but he knows its name.
2: We don't even know the stars' names.
1: Yeah. What does that mean about us?
2: (laughs) Yes. I Actually, just to circle back around, um, I remember in season two, we were supposed to do a podcast episode about uh, individuality and uh, self-image and things like that. We did it with Naomi. Uh no I know but with Bogdan and we scrapped that episode. Oh yeah. Um but I wanted to bring up that one point where it's just like the art form will change with time and then time changes the art form or something like that. You remember? Yeah,
1: that? Ba- basically where it says is that first um art is going to try to resemble and express something about life. Mm-hmm. And it will get to a point where the whole meaning of life is just art. People only
2: live for art. Is that, roles but is, 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 can they be applied to this example about the individualism
1: yeah because it takes away the whole meaning of being an individual the whole meaning that you your experiences in life and why you're in life okay. here on earth as an individual gets the road and you're saying your only, your only reason to be here on earth is to be part of a big giant collective and what you personally are going through with who you personally are and things that happen to you and making sure that you are spiritually, mentally and physically healthy none of that matters because mm. the greater good right? yeah. the community as a whole needs to be healthy and what you individually the, the same way is when we have any pain or anything wrong with anyone or that's of our digits or any any tiny little part of our body we feel pain the whole body feels pain wow. because that part matters and you used to cut it off or whatever the rest of the body suffers. imagine cutting your thumb off
0: so i have a question yeah,
1: you, you can't do anything and it's just like it's just one finger what what's the big deal and yeah. that there is uh, uh, you know, is a good illustration of how little things still matter. It still makes the whole body, you know, who it is because of the little things put together.
0: I have a question of how do we preserve individuality, right? But we also don't neglect the Lord's will. Because, look, we pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is not going to be just segregated by Slavics, Russians uh, or whatever, um, Hispanics, uh, Americans, uh, Eskimonians or whatever. I don't know the, the all the cultures, but like long story short, that's not how it's going to be. You know, it's going to be all just mixed up. So it's going to be kingdom culture. How do we have how do we preserve that? on earth right let your will be done on earth as in heaven so meaning how do christians manifest the kingdom mindset of that culture of hey i am living as a spirit in a human body and my culture is gonna die the moment i hit that grave and the culture that will last eternally is that kingdom
2: culture so the thing about this i'm I'm gonna speak about this as well um is what exactly what we were just talking about individuality you know we we, a lot of places they take things and it's for the greater good it's for the big greater congregation but there's that person that is a pinky that's it's there in the congregation that's maybe sitting in pews and you you step away and you look at their life as an individual and you look at what builds them up as an individual for me myself for vasa i am built up by the lord i'm in my room on my knees being built up by the lord if a person is not being built up by the Lord, how would they ever be able to know what the Lord's will is? Because you cannot follow the Lord's will if you do not know the Lord. Well, right. You can be sitting in a pew and be, uh, what is it called, sardines? Yeah, sardines.
0: <laughs> yeah, See, all day
2: long. But like, you. And same thing when you gets to heaven. You get to heaven, why why did, you get, why did you get to heaven? You don't get to heaven because you were going to church all your life and you were part of, part of a certain church. You get to heaven because of your relationship with God every single day of your life. Right. That's where you get to heaven. And when you get to heaven, that's your individuality. You individualize me with the Lord, and He built me up to every single thing that I stand Preach. on right now. Right. Not not the fact that I go to a this church and this church teaches this way, and I believe that Pentecostals, you know, I believe this, and I believe I'm a Baptist. That's not your individuality. Your individuality is take apart those things. Look behind the. Look Can behind I say the a bodies. statement?
0: Denomination is not your identity.
2: Yes. So when you when you pull those things apart, when you rip out part of that stage that you put up in front of your, your place and you look at the person that's sitting there with that one light hanging around their head, what is that person? And if that person is not built up by God, how will you ever know what, what the will of God is? Because sometimes the will of God will confront the will of your congregation. Yeah. And what are you going to do at that point? Will you follow your congregation or will you follow the God's will? And if, you're, and if your individuality is built upon your con- congregation, God's will will be at second place
1: uh that that i'm very glad that you daniel brought that up um it's a two-sided coin being an individual and being part of a community um if we look back at like biblical history and god's the one who created nationalities and languages right because humans started to do use their unity as an evil for evil so he's right. like i'll make
0: to build the tower a, to
1: build the tower battle. yeah So because they were trying to do that, God says, I'm going to scatter you across the earth and you won't be able to communicate. But just as everything that God does, and it might seem to us like, why would you do that? That's kind of bad for us or whatever. Something else grows grows out of that. Right. We learn something because of it. He brings us closer. We see a new perspective, you know, and what happens with this multi-culture that now exists across the earth. Example, if you take a Slavic proverb or a parable. Right. where we, The way we see things based on how we grew up and the things that we did because of the land we grew up in, we can express something. Right. Then you go to Africa. And the Africans have a proverb that right. talks about something different that we might not have a proverb for. Right. Based on where they grew up and the way they have to live life. And then you go to another continent and they'll have another thing. So what does that do? All those little things that we learn about life, we're able to get insight based on where we are and where we grew up and how our life, everyday life looks like. And when we meet somebody from a different walk of life, they're able to give us an insight on something that we were maybe trying to learn, but we were only focused in looking looking at that one particular lesson through one set of lenses and then they introduced us to a new set of lenses come on example of you know everybody who does photography and videography you have one set of lenses and you get one perspective you change the lens and the perspective changes yeah whoa i get a wider angle or something you know that that changes same thing with different cultures and each one now if we tie this into spirituality and god we're able to learn the way people see god from their different cultures. Cause if you look at the Slavic culture, how we we were grown up to see and view God, and then let's say you go to Jewish culture and the way they grew up, yes, you might say Jewish have more, you know, Judaism has more spirituality and so on because they were, you know, they went they were the ones who walked with God for so much longer. But that's not to say that you Slavics or Americans or Africans or Asians can't have some insight that maybe the the Jews. So even though the Jews might have you know, this abundant history of spirituality behind them. But that's not to say that some other nationality has a different perspective, different insight. That doesn't mean that they're contradictory or that one has to be right the other one. A lot of things, the more in life you you get to experience, the more you see, especially in spirituality, the more mature you, you grow, you start noticing that there's a lot of things that are two sides to one coin. And that is what ends up Tying in you as an individual, at the same time, giving you the ability to be in a culture and still doesn't fight the two. Mm. Because because I grew up in this community, and this is the way I was raised, and this is the perspective we had, is awesome. And you're able to contribute to to a different group of people or in a different setting, example, in a multicultural church that will give you them insight. And that's why it's amazing when we share the testimonies and just different insight of what God's opening up. Because if if God opened up everything the exact same way to every single person, then that's no different than just getting an upgrade update from Apple or from uh, you know Microsoft. Everybody gets the exact same update, the same exact time, and there's no difference among you. But when God opens Himself up in a particular way to you, and then a different way to me, and when we share. That we were able Mm. to, first of all, we get connected through him and in him by getting to know him because of the way you shared and what you share and the way I share. And that's what ties us
2: all together in unity. So I just wanted to uh, bring back. So would you say that individuality and uh, what's called? Yeah, I can't speak. Individuality and the multi-ethnic, multi, uh, multicultural churches go hand in hand.
1: Yeah. You can't have one without the other.
0: I want to add to his example uh this analogy just came to me like this in my head right now. You can discover or better understand the creator based off his creations. Exactly. So like you have an African, you have an Asian you have a north american a south american all these people and based off all those little things you're like oh so this is the mind behind these creations mm-hmm. it's like little fragments of a puzzle
2: yeah
1: when the creator is not visible to you the best way to find out and learn about the creator is study his creation and wow. if there's multiple because his image is on us you study all of it and with each individual image, yeah each individual person, each individual creation, you get to know more and more about the Creator.
2: Wow. Well, oh, uh, well, I think that pretty much sums everything that we want to talk well, about. Would you, you there's mean?
1: another example we can bring up in the Bible about um, how the early church dealt with it together and being able to relate um, to other cultures. In order to what you are bringing up, witnessing to other people that aren't the same nationality or, or culture as you is when uh, Paul says to the Jews, "I was a Jew," to the Gentiles, "a Gentile." Oh yeah, that does yes. not mean. Let's start off with saying what it doesn't mean before we get into what it doesn't mean. That doesn't mean <laughs> uh... because I'm trying to witness to drug addicts, I need to go do drugs with them, and I, you know, in order to win drug addicts, I become a drug addict. No, it doesn't mean you do. The what is the method method acting where you submerge yourself in that uh, in order better no what it means is I find something in that group of people that I can relate to and in, in a way when God does call drug addicts to Him and they stop they are much better suited to witnessing to them not that they have to go do it again but because they came out of it they're able to relate to them and say I know what you've been through because I went through but when it comes to the people who haven't been involved in whatever you're trying to relate to. You still find something to relate to. And the example that Paul himself gives us, I believe it was Paul, is when he went to Athens in Greece, mm-hmm. and he spent a fair amount of time, it's believed maybe to a year, maybe even over a year, just talking and debating with the philosophers there, and just observing them and talking to them. And then finally, when he got up enough uh, information to where he could create a whole int- presentation for him. He says, I've been talking with you, and you guys have all these mini statues for all these different gods. But I noticed, and the one that drew my attention is this statue here that says to the unknown god, I know who that god is. And how was he able to do that? He was able to do that because he studied with them. He talked with them. He debated with them. And he noticed that the, the, these the idea they have an idea of metaphysics. They have an idea that there's a bigger and stronger being than us. Uh, here on earth and he was able to see what you know how they thought about it what they thought about it and the fact that they have all these gods and then when he got all this background information something he could relate with he said i can relate with that because i can tell who that that god is and he goes on and gives them the the sermon or the the, the speech that he does about you know jesus and god and he's able to have them relate He'd be like you guys cover this god is for this this god is for this this god is for this but this god here covers all of them hmm because he's the God among gods. Wow. And that's what I feel like is a good example to show what he means by to the Jews those Jewish, to the Gentiles gen, uh, Gentile. He's able to find something he could relate to, to tie them, uh, to tie what he's trying to uh, portray and explain to something that they understand. Or even what Jesus did. You know, Jesus asked, you know, why do you always talk in parables? He says, because they're able to understand it better. Or uh, anytime Jesus starts off a parable, he says, kingdom of heaven is like And then if we start seeing the parables that he talks about, they're always about what? Either farming or some type of business or some type of um, uh, trade, uh, you know, uh, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Some type of um, bartering or trading or business or e-commerce or some type of commerce, you know, that was... uh, very common to everybody that he was talking to. And he was able to relate because like, yeah, I know, I understand what he's coming from because i that's my job. Or I'm a farmer and I understand how farming works and, or sowing seed or, you know, being a businessman and giving out uh, talents to, you know, go and multiply and trade and, you know, currency exchange and all that. That's how he was able to relate to so many people. It's because he was able to tie, give them examples to each type of, each group of people. That was able to understand. And then even when we see the Holy Spirit works, and um, when it was Peter who was doing uh, his first big sermon uh, big sermon on the day of Pentecost, he, through the Holy Spirit, was able to talk to so many different nationalities because the Holy Spirit filled him, and he was able to talk in, uh, in mm. tongues, and what is each nationality says, how is it that I this nationality able to understand what he's saying. And the guy next to me, a different nationality is able to understand. And that's how God and the Holy spirit work is they, they're able to encompass and unite people mm. coming from different backgrounds,
2: but still unite into one. Wow. that makes a lot, that like makes a lot of sense.
0: And, you know, um, going back to the example of the Gentiles and the Jews, um it like straight up in the face you know nobody can i think reject this but it it addresses racism and uh we will be discussing these topics a little bit more next time guys so tune in for next week thank you for watching see you next time